family and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. To quote Gary Batman, you're gonna wanna hear this. We have got breaking Blue Jays news for this Tim and Friends Monday, December 12, 2022. I'm Tim McGowan. Jesse Rubinoff is once again with me getting your ish at Tim and Friends on both Twitter and Instagram. Plenty to get to, including a Big J signing after a four-day weekend for most of this show while curling took over the airwaves. Yes, congrats, Team Anderson, Team Retunas. How about our first Italian winner of the Grand Slam of curling. No team in the World Cup, but curling titles. Jesse, what does this world come to? It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Next, you're going to try and tell me the Jays may have given their fans what they wanted and that the Leafs are the best team in the NHL. Sorry, that was Daryl Sutter. <laughs> At least for the Leafs part, I don't know if he did the Jays take, but the Jays have made news for those who haven't heard. As of yet, reportedly inking pitcher Chris Bassett, three years, $63 million for the 33, soon to be 34-year-old starter. We will get into all that. Get your opinion, of course. We'll get Elliot of Freeman's opinion on the NHL, Jeff Blair's opinion on Major League Baseball and the Jays move, and we'll actually get an athlete on the show. Rich Cannon, former NFL MVP, joins Afraid to tell us if Dolphins fans should be a tad bit worried over the last two games and if he thinks Jalen Hurts will win the MVP on the 20-year cool. MV, uh, MVP anniversary. Is that a thing? Probably yeah. just the anniversary of his MVP with the Raiders. Yeah. Jalen Hurts has been pretty darn good. Eh? Oh, he's been really he good. He like, makes it look very easy. That and it's team, not easy. That team right now yeah. is making it look very easy. We will get into it all. Jam-packed show, and it all starts with the voice you just heard, Jesse Rubinoff, first things first. And a new lead on the show as of around 4.20 p.m. Eastern time, and we're not smoking anything. So let's start the verse, Sarah Nurse. Nice. First things first. First. Yep. I was in the makeup chair when this one dropped. Little notification. You look good. I'm going to tell you right now, you look good after sitting in the makeup chair. Do I? Yeah. It's all the makeup. I appreciate Sharp. you. Sharp as uh, hell. You also sold yourself short. We're going to get to the story in a second. You said Rich Gannon, athlete. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> what? We've seen your VHS you, football tapes. You, you know I like to try and act like I was an athlete in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> but there's also an acknowledgement that I wasn't near good enough. Fair enough. And say that all the time. Except for my hands. I've got hands of absolute gold. Just blame it on injuries. I can't. You would have been in the show or you would have been in the NFL. No, okay. no I know all that's not true. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get to the big story of the day, at least as of 4.20 p.m. Eastern time. As you mentioned, the Blue Jays have reportedly signed free agent starting pitcher Chris Bassett to a three-year deal worth $63 million. The 33-year-old righty went 15-9 with a 3-4-2 ERA last season with the Mets. He spent the previous six seasons with the Oakland Athletics. Do you like the move, Tim? Yes, without a doubt, this should be a roundly applauded move in Blue Jays Nation. Not only did he have the 15-9 with the 3.42 ERA last year mm -hmm. while starting 30 games with the New York Metropolitans, in 2021, he had a pretty nice year with the Oakland Athletics. I mean, 12-4 with that team, a 3.15 ERA. If you put this into context, and listen, he's no spring chicken, as I mentioned, he'll be 34 when this season rolls around. 
he had a higher war than Kevin Gossman did last year. Now, by the slight of, of margins, but still, still yeah. that puts you into context with the rest of what the Jays already have and what you may have seen on the everyday. And if you glance at this rotation and how it begins to shake down, you got Alec Manoa on top, Kevin Gossman, you slide Chris Bassett. If Jose Barrios has a bounce back year, that top four is as good as any in Major League Baseball. Now, that's a big if. I understand it. There are a lot of ifs in professional sports. You battle it out, Kikuchi, Mitch White, whoever you want on the end. I would suggest that the Jays should go bargain bin shopping and pick up another starter. Mm -hmm. Because, Jesse, as we've seen in the past, it's not always your five to begin the season working out to be your five a quarter of the way through the season or your five three quarters of the way through the season. And God forbid you get to the postseason where it's at. But this is... A legitimate signing by that dude, Ross Atkins and yep. Mark Shapiro. Third most AAV among starters this year behind DeGrom and Verlander. And his 329 ERA, Chris Bassett's, since 2018 is 11th among Major League Baseball pitchers with at least 100 <laughs> starts. So on paper, stat, yeah. on paper, this is a very good signing that fortifies what should be a very good top four for the Toronto Blue Jays as they continue to spend money in the offseason. Okay, so Ben Nicholson-Smith uh, tweeted this out. This marks four consecutive offseasons the Blue Jays have spent at least $20 million per year on a multi-year free agent deal, Ryu, Springer, Gossman, Bassett, as they should, being a large market win-now team. Uh, we saw a lot of vitriol directed towards the Blue Jays' front office in recent weeks because free agents were flying off the board. It was the just Blue Kevin Kiermaier. It was just Kevin Kiermaier right. until 4.20 p.m. around that time. And, and if we go back a week, it was mm -hmm. not anyone. So, right. So do you think this move should alleviate some of the stress of Blue Jays fans uh, that they have directed towards the front office, quite frankly? Why don't we just add, I mean, listen, enough of them watch this show. Mm -hmm. Let's ask them. Mm -hmm. Let's put it out to the electorate. Are you now changing your opinion on what the Jays offseason was because I looked out and I saw I don't know if you saw this one uh, B-Rad your boy mm -hmm. Brad the boss tweeted in and said wow the Jays actually made a move they better be making more like we are still three and a half months away from opening pitch your boy B-Rad is already on the Jays and that was my point when we went through baseball's winter meetings was listen this is an incomplete grade that people are asking for, but given how quick the computer and how quick the social media world moves, people want those grades oh, immediately, yeah. Oh, yeah. even though it is incomplete. So, so for me, I'll just ask you, are you happier with the Jays' offseason? For me, I'll give you my answer. Right now, that makes it a B minus. I would like to see another starting pitch. And I'm not asking for a big name. I'm not asking for a high level guy. I'm just asking for a guy that can eat innings if you can't trust Kikuchi and or Mitch White. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking for another outfielder left handed bat. That's, I, I think That's you, hard to argue with. I like, think that you need both of those. And if you get those, then you're back to a B plus or an A. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much the Kevin Kiermeyer, you know, assuming he passes physical and everything, I'm not sure how much. That moves the needle. I view him as more of a fourth outfielder, sort of in the Tapia role, def late, late game defensive replacement. Me too. Uh, so I would think they still need to address the outfield in, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if they will, though. Like, I wonder if it's Kiermeyer and then one of Whit Merrifield – 
and or Kevin Biggio. Biggio. Yeah, is that good enough? Probably, I don't, probably not. I would like to see a, a left-handed bat with some power. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be hard to do. do you, is that where you use now, since you've signed Bassett, the is catcher. that where you use your catchers and, and try and ding, do something ding, with that? Ding, deal? ding, ding. And there were some rumors over the weekend about Danny Jansen perhaps being in the mix, and then those rumors were, were quickly shot down. And, and I did see a tweet from Joe Siddle that I remember seeing, like, if Jansen's the one that's on the move, is that a lot of inexperience behind home plate with Kirk and Moreno? Like, is that a concern heading into next year? So it's still interesting to see which one of those guys are sort of dangling out there to make a move because they if need you, to do it. If you match up Contreras, Wilson Contreras' numbers with Danny Jansen's numbers, mm-hmm. and I know that Contreras is a little bit better of a hitter. Uh, Danny J- like, listen, they're, they're, if you match them up, you begin to see the value in Danny Jansen around Major League Baseball. And part of that value is understanding how to catch and how to play the position Mm -hmm. and how to command a pitching staff. And there are other teams that may be worried about Alejandro Kirk or going and getting a prospect, no matter how good the prospect is, in Gabriel Moreno. There are different teams looking for different spots, but teams looking to acquire Danny Jansen might be in a different spot than, say, a team looking to acquire Gabriel Moreno. Yeah. And it depends who you're dealing with, who becomes valuable to that team. And I think that's something that Jays fans got to remember moving forward. If you're dealing with the Pittsburgh Pirates, what the hell do they want Danny Jansen yeah. for? Right? It's true. it's true. If you're dealing with the Pittsburgh Pirates, maybe they want Gabriel Moreno. Maybe they want the young kid. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want the prospect. Maybe they want more prospects. This is, I think the Jays are dealing from a decent position in the catcher spot that could get them something that they want. Or you could say, maybe that bat can turn into what we're asking for. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think that you know, one more, one more pitcher. Does it rule them out of the Ross Stripling uh, market is, is a question that I have. And I'm going to get to a couple of responses shortly because that is what some fans were clamoring for prior to this signing. And I just wonder if now it's too much money to give to I would guess pitcher. I would guess that it rules them out of stripling if they do end up with stripling I don't think a Jays fan can complain because you've got a very versatile arm now listen I don't know what stripling wants moving forward mm-hmm. and to be fair to Ross stripling if he's put in that we don't know if you're a starter category again because we invested this much in Yusei Kikuchi I don't know if he wants to be in that spot again mm-hmm. did he earn his right to start I would say yes and if the Jays can get him back that would be wonderful to have Ross Stripling along with a top four that includes some real good names and good track records. Uh, I think that's done. If they do get him back, I would like to see a lot of apologies on this Twitter feed. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, stuff you've seen on the Twitter feed, uh, we did actually send out, are you happy with the Chris Bassett signing? It's sort of a beginning engagement question. And I want to get to a couple of those uh, quickly here. And... Uh, Jays writes in and says, if the Jays were to let Stripling go, which it now looks like it, replacing him with Chris Bassett is a great move. Very similar to Stripling. I think this was a great signing. Uh, Lucas, 10 out of 10 deal, especially considering Walker and Tyone got more, which is a very good point from Lucas. That is a solid point, yeah. Uh, Justin says, personally, I really like it. Solid vet mid-rotation guy. All reports are he's a tremendous leader in the clubhouse, just takes the ball and goes to work. Feels like the Jays have a number of those guys. With the New York Mets, Mm -hmm. without a doubt, took the ball, went to work. There were injuries all around him, and he continued to just pile up innings. And if you look at the numbers on these top four guys, they all munch innings. And if you go a few few years back, that was something that the Jays really desperately needed. No question. Yeah. 
Uh, another one here. I wasn't nervous once in Atkins. We trust in all capital letters. <laughs> Are you believing that? Probably a little bit of satire and facetiousness there, but uh, it's all good. Jerry says, great signing. Now trade Jansen, package him for a left-handed hitter. So on the same wavelength as Mr. Tim McAuliffe. Uh, and finally, who would you rather have signed? Oh, and click on that. Baseball reference. There you go. Who is it? Chris Bassett and Ross Stripling. There you go. So yeah. if you scroll I mean, look over here. But hold on a second. ERA. Hold on a second. That's, that's starts, almost an apple to orange, is it not? Chris Bassett is a respect. starter. Ross Stripling was a piece that moved in and out of the starting rotation well, like not see, many yeah. people have ever been able to do. Ross Stripling deserves nothing but horns for what he did on this Toronto Blue Jays team last year. He filled every role they could possibly ask of a starting slash long relief pitcher. Yeah, and in fairness, if you go to Bassett and Stripling's career numbers, Bassett has been definitely the more consistent pitcher over the course of his career. It's not even a conversation. Without a doubt, and that's the way he was brought in and why you got Stripling for what you got Stripling for and why you're playing three yeah. years and $63 million. Again, if you look at starting pitchers on the open market, only Verlander and DeGrom got more it's per crazy. year than Chris Bassett just got. And when you look at the numbers that... Tyone or Walker got, I think they did pretty well. I think moral of the story is it's early December or now mid-December, and when free agents start flying off the board, there's usually someone still kicking the tires on others And I get there. why people were nervous. 100%. There were a lot of names tied to the Jays. A lot of those names went elsewhere, mainly to the Mets, and I don't know how the hell Steve Cohen is doing <laughs> what he's doing, which is utterly ridiculous right now. But... It wasn't done, and the Jays are starting to fill in the gaps, and this is a big piece and a big gap. No question. Uh, Jeff Blair coming up a little bit later in the show as we'll continue that Toronto Blue Jays awesome. conversation. But for now, let's go to the NHL. Six games tonight, including four Canadian teams in action. The Senators host the Ducks. The Oilers visit the Wild, and it's an all-Canadian matchup on Rogers Monday Night Hockey as the Flames take on the Montreal Canadiens. Calgary coming off a 5-4 overtime loss in Toronto on Saturday as the Leafs extend their point streak to 14 games. And Mitch Marner extended his personal point streak to 22 games. And before the game, Flames coach Daryl Sutter said, quote, the Leafs are the best team in the league right now. Do you agree with Daryl Sutter? I don't mean this to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form to either you, Jesse, asking the question, mm -hmm. Leaf fans who want me to answer a certain way, Leaf haters who want me to answer a certain way, and or the Leafs themselves. But who the bleep cares? Mm, I don't feel disrespected. And I'm serious on this one. Like, we had this same convo around the same time last year. Jesse Rubinoff backed me up on this when Jack Campbell mm -hmm. was top three in the NHL in save percentage and goals against average. Am I lying on that? No. no, That, was, that, that was happened fact. less than a year ago, and people want to argue where they are now. Forgive me. I think if you plant seeds in November and December, that's all they are, seeds. Now, you need to do it, but they're just seeds, which is why you watch this show. Not to fall into these traps. The Boston Bruins started 20-3. and three. 20 and bleepin' three. The Devils lose one. One game after a 20-0-1 stretch, and people want to have this conversation, who's the best team in the league right now? Not me. 
Leafs have played great hockey. They've done it by committee with a ton of injuries on the back end that most everyone thought they could not afford. So the team, the coaching staff deserve a ton of credit. But I'm not playing this game. <laughs> Just because the Bruins and the Devils lost a game or two, it's a trap, Jesse, and I'm not falling into that trap. Fine. Well, they are the best team in the league right now. They are. But... Like, what, what like is, you said, okay, what, well, like define, you said, what does it matter? Define right now. So you you would take them in a seven-game series against the Boston Bruins? That's not what I said. Right now. Well, no. If they're the best team in the league right now, would you take? If they played a seven-game series right now, you would take them over the Boston Bruins? Not. No. No. What? No. No chance. They are playing the best hockey in the league right now, which makes them the best team in the league right now. They're third in the standings. They're a fourteen-point, fourteen-game point streak. Okay. They're. Top players have been sensational. So over the last 14 games, they're the best in the NHL. Yeah, but I would say the same thing. Only a 14 game sample. But I would say the same thing if the Devils go go on another 20 game win streak again. This is my point is their 20 game win streak just ended. (laughs) I know, and they were literally one loss at that time. My point is that first of all, hockey is is a very unpredictable game, and just like the Flames losing by in overtime 5-4 to the Leafs. That's a very, very fine line. And the Leafs could have lost many of the games that, they've had lost, that they lost or whatever. My, my point is, the Leafs are experts, geniuses, at making their fan base believe that every year is the year. And that they have the hope that this is the year they're going to make it past the first round. Every single year. Because you come into the year, we sat here and we said, the regular season doesn't matter. And we've been saying that for how many yeah. years? The regular season doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. But now, because they are playing like the best team in the league, suddenly the fan base believes again that this is actually the year they're going to go over the hump. They've done it's that crazy. every year for, what, the it, last five I years? Know. And yet you won't take – you're saying they're the best team in the league, but you won't take them in a five-game series, seven-game series how, against how the can Boston you? Bruins. How can you? All right. I, I, I will fall into the trap. I won't fall into that trap. I'll fall into the <laughs> trap set by our social media team, though. Did you see this tweet over the weekend, <laughs> I Jesse? I our social crew, while I took a weekend roadie to Pittsburgh, lit an absolute fire asking if there is a better group of four forwards – in the NHL right now? If so, who? Question mark. Now, there, there is some nuance here. This was a quote tweet from Sportsnet Stat tweeting out the board that you're looking at right now about the Leafs' 14-game point streak. So some key phrasing here, one of them being right now. And I remind you, this is a question, meaning it's asking for a response, and man, did we get one, including the Oilers' official account that simply said McDavid, Drysaddle, Hyman, and Nugent Hopkins have 31 more points this season with what is called, and I quote Twitter on this, a grimacing face emoji. (laughs) Now, I love this. I will have this conversation anytime. The Leafs are the best team in the National Hockey League, according to Jesse Rubinoff. Right now. Do they have, right now, do they have the top four forwards in the NHL oh. right now? Uh, okay. Right now? Right now? I don't think I can say that the Leafs are the best team in the league right now without saying that they have the best top four in the league right now. That being said, the Oilers' gripe, which I. I I'm not sure how much of a gripe it actually is. They're four players. The gulf between McDavid and Dreisaitl and then Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Hyman Careful is here. extremely immense. And the gap between the top four in the Maple Leafs 
is not as big. So if you're taking an all-consuming look, yes, of course the Oilers have the two best players, arguably in the entire league, one and two. But how much do you value that when you're looking at the top four? I think, I think you're disrespecting thing. Nugent Hopkins' season right now. And, I mean, my computer's locked, and I'd like to look up the numbers here. <laughs> okay. But you I know my some. computer is broken right now. Mm. But we also showed the cap hit. And I know Zach from Oilers Nation, who does some fine work, yeah. uh, put some of those numbers through cap machine and what the combined average annual value of the contracts were and determined that the Oilers are way ahead of them. Now, how much you bleed defensive stats into that becomes a question, and I can't believe I'm saying that with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they do have in the last 14 games the second-best goals against average in the National Hockey League, and you cannot say that about the Edmonton Oilers. So how much do you put that on the Leafs or the Oilers? I think it's a phenomenal... Right now is really the, the crux of the tweet. For me, because if you look at top fours around the league, and we put this out there, and obviously there were a ton of responses here, but you look at the avalanche when they're all healthy. Look at that top four. Right. That's yeah. why it's that's why the right now is such a key part of the equation and why the tweet pissed a lot of people off. Because yes, yes the Colorado Avalanche top four players are probably better, but they're not healthy. They're not healthy. Landis right. hasn't played all year, right. and McKinnon's hurt right now. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's a difficult conversation, but there were people chiming in with the Oilers cap hit, like you mentioned, and the fact that they have 161 points, Leafs have 130 points combined. So the point difference is there. It's significant. It's extremely significant. But yeah. then, like I said, you look at McDavid and how many points he's putting up and how many points Drysaddle's putting up, and then the Leafs is a little bit more even. But I just think it's, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a ridiculous conversation because they're, they're, both, like, they're both equally carrying their respective teams at this current point in time. And I don't foresee that changing for a very long yeah. time. Defensively, are the Leafs better? Do the standings really matter? And this 14-game point streak, let me just give you one stat. Here's the goals saved above expected leaders in the last 14 games. This means how well are your goaltenders playing and covering up the ills of a team? The Toronto Maple Leafs over the last 14 games, Jesse, mm. have a goal saved above expected of 13 and a half. The next closest team is the New Jersey Devils at 8.86. So the Leafs goalies are standing on their head right now. And a lot of people are drawing conclusions mm. about the Toronto Maple Leafs based on a stat that I don't think that they can sustain. Yes. I think it's fair. I want to get to a couple of responses here quickly before we move on to the next topic because I think it's important. Well, Rich Gannon is going to be waiting here, this, too. Well, this struck a chord with a lot of people, so I want to get to it. Uh, J-Rod writes in and says, even on a sub-500 team, I found better and lists the five Canucks who he thinks are the or top four there. Top four, yeah. Top four yeah, with yeah. Pedersen. Someone Horvath, was JT ripping Miller, on the uh, Quinn Kuzmenko. Hughes, but he was putting Kuzmenko in that mix, too. Uh, Oilers, here's the stat, the, one of the stats that I referenced, 161. More combined points, more combined goals. Leafs have played one more game. Uh, so there, I think the right now gets crossed up with that comment. Uh, Jason says, there isn't a better top four. And before the Oilers fanboys come in here and play the what about game, you need to look at their combined two-way games. The Leafs top four is miles ahead in their two-way than the Oilers top four. Well, yeah, careful with that uh, when I throw out a goal too. saved above expected as the Leafs over the last 14 games. Yeah remarkably better than anyone else in the NHL. You can find stats to, to support, I think, both here. Uh, Barry says, here's a couple teams that definitely compare. The thing is the 
four buds literally are on the same level as the Oilers' top four, and the, the Dallas one probably gives a run for your money. But I think, again, it all comes down to when you're looking at their overall that's players, please or are you looking at the right now? Yeah, and please, Leaf fans, please do me a favor. Do not tweet in the standings. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. All right, listen, uh, we got a lot to get to, including uh, whether or not the Raptors need a wake-up call. We may discuss that before the end of this show. Elliot Friedman joins us with all the must-need info from the NHL Board of Governors meetings. Jeff Blair on the Jay signing of Chris Bassett. And after the break, we do a little Monday afternoon quarterback with former NFL MVP Rich Gannon. Tim and friends already starting a fire on a Monday, and some of it's good. Jay's got somebody, Jesse. Somebody good. Still buzzing. Carter's got it. Scores! Wins it! It's an exclamation mark on the Leafs' 14th consecutive game with a point. Yes, after a week full of rumors, the Jays have their first official signing of the offseason, and it's a familiar foe. I tell you, that was a pretty good it, move. It was a good move. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. Creature from a different planet. Wow. Somersault for a touchdown. That was incredible. Mahomes, he'll just chuck it ahead. 56 yards on a toss. Tyreek's got to look out. Tyreek Hill might go. He's gone for a touchdown. Unbelievable. What is going on around here? One less goal and one less. Sorry. (laughs) Still to come. Jeff Blair on the Jays signing and starter Chris Bassett. Rogers Monday Night Hockey on its way, but first. The Patriots and Cards close out week 14 in the NFL on Monday Night Football. Week 14 included a relevant, Mr. Irrelevant, an almost loss that has people talking, and a clear-cut MVP. Mm. Sounds like time for... Timmy's Top 5 from the NFL this week. That clear-cut MVP is Jalen Hurts, and he's number one in the top five and number one on the list of MVP candidates after another impressive performance in a beatdown of the Giants. Hurts racked up 294 total yards, three more touchdowns. That's now 1,007 total yards in his last three games with nine total TDs and zero turnovers as the Eagles have scored 123 points over those last three. That is the most Eagle points in a three-game span since 1950. Hertz leads the NFL in passer rating, touchdown-to-interception ratio, while ranking fourth in completion percentage in both. By the way, Philly is 12-1. That's why they're number one on this list, and Hertz is number one on the MVP list. Well, that and two add two. The Sunday Nighter revealed a lot, but did it reveal that the Dolphins are reverting to the Dolphins we know and love, the mediocre ones? Well, here's what we know. The Finns have gone from a team that hadn't lost in a game that Tua started and finished to a team that has lost two in a row with an MVP candidate looking average at best. In fact, have a look at Tungavailoa's numbers over the last three games. Is this just a couple injuries to the O-line or regression? Buffalo, Green Bay, New England, and the Jets to close it out should be able to tell us. Let's be clear, I'm not saying they're done, but it's worth watching for sure. Number three is from the same game. This is what roughing the passer looks like in the National Football League in 2022. This is what the NFL 
would like it to look like. Funny Garrett Wilson doesn't seem to feel like he gets the same protections, tweeting out a video of a hit he suffered on Sunday in Buffalo that said, the NFL claims to care about player safety, yet does not throw a flag on this play. Hmm. I will say this about number four. I wonder if the NFL was watching Mitch Trubisky versus Anthony Smith and decided to send another memo to the refs about wanting to protect their quarterbacks. Guys who saw important action this week, not just Mitch and Smith, but Brett Ripien, Jeff Driscoll, Sam Darnold actually won a game, Brock Purdy actually won a game, so did Baker Mayfield nearly straight off a plane. I don't get this thing. Because of that, number five is a bunch of questions for you and my next guest. The Detroit Lions can't make the playoffs, can they? The Carolina Panthers can't win the division, can they? And does an almost loss mean anything to the Dallas Cowboys? The beat was intoxicating. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That guest is our MVP, the NFL's MVP in 2002. Here for a little Monday afternoon quarterback is our friend Rich Cannon. Welcome back, Rich. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, brother. Thank you for having me. Uh, anytime. You are welcome here. Absolutely anytime. Let's start with the Cowboys. Does You played in this league a long time. Does an almost losing to a one-win team at home mean anything to you? It does. You know, look, I think there's cause for concern. I think the Cowboys had a very sloppy effort yesterday. Three turnovers, Dak threw two interceptions. You know, they just didn't look very sharp. I think defensively, a very disappointing performance. No sacks. Uh, they struggled, I thought, stopping the run at times. They gave up some big plays. They, they just, you know, they just didn't look all that interested in playing a one-win team. And you, you look, if you talk about trying to win a world championship, you've got to do better against a team like the Houston Texans. A disappointing performance, hopefully an eye-opener for some of those players in that locker room. You've been in the locker room before. Give us an eye. Is that game plan? Is that uh, the kind of execution that you need when you play good teams lacking? Like, what would you point to specifically? Because sometimes I wonder, like, do the coaches, when they see a one-win team on the ledger, go, we don't need to spend as much time game planning on this. Maybe we could look ahead to a week. Does that happen? No, no. It's, it's not. It's not a coaching thing. You know, sometimes, Tim, and I've been in games like this where, you know, you're playing a team with one win. You're Micah Parsons. You say to yourself, I'm going to have three sacks in this game. I'm going I'm to tear. This is not a great offensive line. It's not a great defense. Their quarterback uh, is, is a young quarterback that's struggling to find his way. And sometimes you get antsy. Sometimes you think that, hey, by the end of the first half, we should be up 35 nothing. And instead, you're right. trailing. I think then you start to press a little bit. I think we saw some of that from the Cowboys. Don't know what their week of preparation was like. Don't know what the practices were like. But certainly fortunate to get a win and hopefully learn a lesson that if you don't come out with your best stuff, regardless of who you're playing in this league, you can get embarrassed. Any given Sunday. We've all seen the movie, Rich. Come on now. Uh, more likely in your mind, the Lions making the playoffs for the first time since 2016 or the Panthers find a way to win a bad division after trading Christian McCaffrey and releasing Baker Mayfield. I put my money on the Lions. Here's a team that started one and six. They've won five of the last six. You know, Jared Goff, I mean, and the reason why is Jared Goff. I trust Jared Goff a whole lot more than I trust Sam Darnold. But Jared Goff's playing really well. They've done a great job. They're creating explosive plays in the air. They can run the football defensively. They've been a lot better. I mean, they're... They've scored over 30 points in seven games so far this season. No other team in football has done that. And I just think that, you know, they've, Dan Campbell's done a great job with this football team. 
again, they hung in there, they battled, they fought through some adversity early in the season, and now they're playing their best football late in the season when it matters the most. All right, so let's uh, let's fixate on some of the stuff that I was talking about in Timmy's top five, and that is Tua Tungavailoa. And, and I was I was on the train early in the season. They had, I mean, listen, they hadn't lost a game that he started and finished until a couple weeks ago. Like, are you a little worried about what you've seen over the last two, or is this something this team can break out of? I'm more than a little worried when you look at his performance last night. 10 of 28 for 145 yards and an interception. You, know, you look at the numbers in the last two games, he's completing 45%. I just watched how he threw the ball. I watched how the ball came out of his hands last night. He could have thrown a bunch of interceptions. He was thrown into coverage. He wasn't seeing flat defenders. He wasn't seeing dropping linebackers. He was running his receivers into head-on collisions. You know, he, he struggled throwing the football down the field. Didn't have a lot of zip on it. Look, he's never going to overpower you with his arm talent. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Joe Burrow. But he's been very effective getting the ball out quick, the short and intermediate throws. Last night against a banged-up Chargers defense, he looked lost. I'd be concerned. If you were Mike, Mike McDaniel, look at him on the sidelines, Tim. All last night, he's trying to find a way to get his young quarterback a completion. That's not a good sign as we head into the playoffs. Right on the other side of the ledger, Jalen Hurts, is he your MVP right now? No question. You know, I, I think you look at Patrick Mahomes. He threw a bunch of interceptions yesterday. I think you look at Jalen Hurts, the best thing he has done is taking care of the football. He's making a lot of plays in and outside the pocket. Ten rushing touchdowns this season, ten last year. The only player in NFL history, only quarterback in NFL history to have back-to-back ten touchdown seasons rushing the football. Now, talk about passing the football. He's been so efficient. Yeah. You look at his numbers, he's, he's number one in just about every major statistical category. You look at a team that's only lost once this year. I think Jalen Hurts could win a number of awards this year, Tim. He could be your comeback player of the year. He could be your NFL MVP. He has been that consistent so far for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, I got to talk to the quarterback of this show about the roughing the passer call <laughs> that we saw last night against Justin Herbert. What, what's your take on what we're seeing uh, when it comes to flags in the backfield? It just drives you crazy. I don't know what more you can teach a, a defensive player. If you watch as he's going to the ground, he puts both of his hands on the turf to break the fall and not to implode his body weight through the quarterback. I, I, I don't know what we're, we're teaching these officials. It's so frustrating. I mean, I don't know what more you can do as a coach. And I just think that we're, we're very inconsistent. It seems like we treat certain quarterbacks differently than we treat some of these other quarterbacks. All I can tell you, Tim, is I already reached out to my agent I'll be 57 years old, and I want to come back and get some of this action. This is too good. I mean, you can drop back in there. You can take the extra hits. You can pat the football, and they can't hit you. It's um, it's unbelievable. And then you see what Mike White get folded up. We showed the the hit along the sidelines in that Buffalo game with Garrett Wilson. There's, there's just so much going on here that I – I don't know what it is. And this is, listen, Milano, this is as good as you can do without any of those. Didn't go low right to the midsection. Didn't go high. Like, the only place he could have hit him, there's no way to throw the flag on that one. No, and, and honestly, that's one for the ages. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, you're those players in that meeting room this morning, you're going, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I mean, that, that's textbook. I mean, that's. You know, we talk about, you know, knocking a quarterback out. I mean, Mike White's a tough guy. He yeah. came back not once but twice from big hits yesterday. He's got a lot of re- he's got the respect, certainly, of those players and coaches in New York. Even the players in Buffalo were talking about how tough he was after the game. But that, that's about as a good a hit as I've seen from a linebacker in a long, long time. 
All right, last one for you. Dre Greenlaw picked off Tom Brady, and after the game, the San Francisco 49ers DB asked Tom Brady to sign the ball that he picked off from him. Cut or uncut? Cut being bad, uncut being good. Asking a quarterback to sign the ball that you picked off from him. I don't know that I would have done it, but I think it speaks volumes about Tom Brady, the type of class act he is. I think those players were so excited to compete against Tom Brady, to come up with an interception. Uh, it was maybe one of Brady's worst performances. I mean, it's been a it's been a really disappointing year for the Buccaneers, but I think Tom Brady is, is a class act in more ways than one, Tim. I mean, I think he's the, the greatest to ever play the position. Uh, he's a, obviously a Hall of Famer. He's won multiple awards as the MVP of our leg, the MVP of the Super Bowl. He's won multiple Super Bowls. But deep inside, he's a good guy. And I think that shows some real class in the midst of a, a really disappointing night. You know, remember, he goes back. He yeah. grew up in Mateo. He grew up down mm -hmm. the street. Yeah. He had a 100 of his family and closest friends at the game, and he's sitting there on the field afterwards signing a football from a, an opponent who just got done giving him a beatdown and a loss to the 49ers. Uh, Rich, always great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this, buddy. You're the best. Thanks, Tim. There is Rich Gannon, who was the best. 2022, I always do that. 2002, he was the best. Uh, he was the MVP. All right, when we come back, we'll see if Jeff Blair can be our MVP. He'll bring his thoughts on the Jay signing of Chris Bassett. Is that to complete the rotation? What's next on the agenda? What more do the Jays need? Do Jays fans take a deep breath, relax, and say this is a good offseason? Yet? All that matters. Still come, Elliot Friedman will get us set for Rogers Monday Night Hockey with three of 32 thoughts. Jeff Blair joining us in mere moments from now, but our Twitter is just blowing up right now. Jesse, uh, we tweeted out the new deal, that is the Jays landing reportedly Chris Bassett. Three years and $63 million for the starter. Uh, what are we getting back on Twitter right now? Well, it's pretty positive out there on the Twitter sphere, I have to say, Timmy. People are impressed. Shocking. Which is a big change from how it's been throughout the offseason so far for It's Blue just fans. crazy how quickly it can turn. And now that I've been around for a while, it's kind of sort of weird every year to get into this December area where you know that you're nowhere close to the start of the season. But yeah. when names come off, people start panicking. And that's what happened. And Jays get one name, and it seems like, they're okay. It's a good signing. That's all. This yeah. is a good signing. Yeah, it's a good yeah. signing. Yes. Uh, Mike says, perfect. A guy who will be a really good number four and can even pitch as a number three if Barrios struggles continues. What's frightening is that a three to four guy is now $20 million per season, which I have to agree with. It's a lot. Uh, Nick says, now get stripped back for cheap somehow, trade a catcher for a good fielder, and give Gallo, Joey Gallo, a chance by signing him as a lefty, which is intriguing. And I, it's fun when people throw out names out there, too, because... There are some free agents still available. I don't think you're getting stripped for cheap. Uh, but but let's ask uh, one of the experts. Jeff Blair joins us now from the Blair and Barker podcast, which you can hear wherever you get your fine podcasts. Jeffrey, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good. What do you think of Chris Bassett? Uh, well, I hope that uh, the fact that he hasn't spent much of his career pitching in two of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks Oakland and City Field. Um, I, I'm hoping that uh, that success translates over to the Rogers Center. Of course, the Rogers Center is being reconfigured as a result of uh, as a, res a result of the renovations. But that that was my one concern uh, about Chris Bassett. <clears throat> you know, there's not a lot of swing and miss stuff. Uh, 
he lives and dies in soft contact, but he has also been helped by, as I said, pitching in two real pitcher-friendly ballparks in Oakland and City Field. But, you know, look, uh, anything that keeps Mitch White and Yusei Kikuchi away from the sharp objects, <laughs> I'm happy with. All right, so let's let's walk this down a little bit because I think that Jays fans, when they dig deep on the numbers, and listen, the the original numbers are good: fifteen and nine, three forty-two ERA, thirty starts with the Mets last year. But he, you're 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 correct in that he pitches to soft, or he's trying to induce soft contact, and ends up getting himself in trouble. He can be a frustrating pitcher to watch if you're a fan of the team. Yeah, but I think the biggest thing, you know, with Chris Bassett is, uh, it, if you look at Starters innings pitched last year, right? Mm-hmm. These were these were the top seven teams in starters innings pitched last year. And you tell me what they all had in common. Houston, Cleveland, Seattle, San Diego, Philadelphia, the Yankees, and the Braves all went to the playoffs. Right. So I look at this acquisition. Alec Manoa gave him 196 and two-thirds innings last year. Uh, Chris Bassett threw 181 and two-thirds innings. Kevin Gossman threw 174 and two-thirds. And Jose Barrios threw 172 innings. I mean, if if Barrios is better, and I think he will be better, I think last year, this past season, was an outlier. All of a sudden, you're looking at four pitchers, three of whom I think we'd say, three of whom are capable of going more than 190 innings pitched maybe, maybe, maybe touching 200 innings. And what that does is that mitigates against some of the weaknesses in your bullpen. It mitigates against some of the weaknesses in terms of middle relief. I mean, if you can get seven innings out of two of your top four starters, you're going to be pretty successful. And, and, you know, as I heard heard before, before I came in the air, the other thing this does is this buys him a little bit of insurance in case Jose Barrios doesn't rebound. Right. Like, Chris Bassett's not going to be your ace, but 181 and two-thirds innings, which is a career high, and that doesn't lie. And the other thing about Chris Bassett is you would think at 34 years of age, because velocity isn't a big thing for him, you would think that his arm might age a little better. In other words, if he mm-hmm. can do what he did this year, Right, which is his fastball, I think, was 92-94. There's no reason to think he can't maintain that for the next couple of years. Right, he's a pitcher. All right, so let's let's ask about Kevin Kiermeyer because before this happened, though, about an hour and a half ago, uh, Kiermeyer was his top story in Jays land. Is that a fourth outfielder, or are they expecting more from Kevin Kiermeyer? Um, I think he's he'd be maybe three and a half. <laughs> you want to look at it that way as an outfielder. Um, you know, George Springer will be in right field. I mean, one thing we really haven't talked about is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is coming off a hamate injury, a wrist injury. Mm-hmm. That is a notoriously, notoriously problematic injury for a hitter. You know, just talk to guys like Eric Kinski and Vernon Wells. I mean, it, it, is a, it is a nagging injury. And... I've felt all along that what Kevin Kiermeyer does is, when healthy, he gives the Jays, at the very least, a platoon center field option that will allow George Springer to stay in right field. Mm-hmm. And if they do make another trade, and look, I really do think that they are going to sign another left-handed bat, somebody like a Michael Conforto. If they add that guy 
then now you might be looking at games where Springer will play center, Gurriel will be in left, Conforto will be in right, or Kiermaier can play left. Like There are any number of ways you can do this. Uh, so, But I do think this, you know, even in games that he doesn't start, eighth inning rolls around, Kevin Kiermaier is going to be in center field. He's still an above-average center fielder. And if the Jays lineup, if the Jays lineup can somehow make up for the loss of Teoscar Hernandez, and I don't believe the Jays make that deal unless they're not 99.9% certain that they can make up right. that, that offense, then, um, boy, you can just stick Kevin Kiermaier at the bottom of your order, and he's going to give you superior defense, and you know, the pitchers are going to love having him behind him. All right, so less than a minute left. I said off the top of the show that I thought that they would add another left-handed bat, just like you mentioned, and perhaps a Michael Conforto or the like. Is is with a le- less than a minute left here? Do you think they're going to add another starting pitcher, or do you think the fifth starter? And listen, I- I'm worried about depth because it's never just five. You need six and you need seven. But do you think it's just Mitch White and you say Kikuchi who are going to battle for that fifth spot? I mean, you can sign anybody. I mean, there's still yeah. some arms out there that might be better than White or Kikuchi. I'm going to keep an eye on the Chicago White Sox and the Jays. The White Sox, we're looking at catching. They've got Liam Hendricks, and we know that Liam Hendricks almost signed here. So I think the Jays add another left-handed bat, and then they either add that lights-out reliever using a catcher to get that, or perhaps perhaps they do add another starting pitcher, a youngish starting pitcher. Right, with a higher ceiling and a bit of a roll of the yep. dice. Uh, Jeff, I know we had some troubles with the Zoom. Thanks for jumping on the phone with us. Really appreciate it, as always. You know that, my buddy. No worry, boys. Technology's never my friend. <laughs> there is uh, Jeff Blair here on Tim and Friends. Again, Blair and Barker, wherever you get good podcasts. All right, when we come back, we'll be joined by Elliot Friedman from the NHL's Board of Governors meetings in Florida. Ooh. Gary Bettman held court the media a short time ago. We'll get updates on what he had to say and where things stand with the NHL's salary cap. Plenty coming up with Fridge next. Florida, eh? FLA. Save me some. And now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here. One final half hour on Tim and Friends. Elliot Friedman will drop by from the NHL Board of Governors meetings in Florida shortly before we send it to Hockey Central and Rogers Monday Night Hockey. More hockey on the way. But the Jays have made a splash, my friends. They have reportedly signed starter Chris Bassett. Three-year deal worth $63 million or $21 million per season. Now, the move is pending a physical. He's coming off a strong season with the Mets. 329 ERA since the start of 2018 ranks 11th in baseball among starters with 100 starts or more. Bassett will join Alec Manoa, Kevin Gossman, and Jose Barrios should be a strong top four of the rotation. The deal does cost the Jays a draft pick since Bassett declined a qualifying offer from the Mets. The Flames and Canadians take center stage across the country on Sportsnet. Flames coming off that Overtime loss to the Leafs on Saturday night while the Habs lost to the Kings on home ice. Jacob Markstrom is back between the pipes for the Flames. While head coach Daryl Sutter knows playing in Montreal is always special and went down memory lane earlier today. I remember my first game there actually was was opening night, Montreal Forum, and uh, Chicago beat Montreal 8-7. 
first time I ever played here. Pardon? No, I was held Gila 33 to a hat trick. <laughs> I got it. Held him to a hat trick. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Meantime, the Oilers take their show on the road in Minnesota. See this one nationally on Sportsnet 1. Top four forwards in the National Hockey League playing here, Jesse. They closed out a four-game successful homestand with a win over a same wild team on Friday. They've won six of their last eight and will once again go to Stuart Skinner between the pipes. He had 42 saves in Friday's win. I think we got two really good goalies that both give us a chance to win. Their records would dictate that. And, um, you know, we're excited. We think Seward's going to help us win the game tonight. To the point. Mm -hmm. Suns hosting the Ducks in Ottawa. Sens will wear their reverse retros in honor. Longtime Sen Wade Redden as he goes into the ring of honor. Sens coming off a win Saturday in Nashville during which a frustrated Thomas Shabbat. This was odd. The accident. China smashed the glass. He smashed Travis, Travis Hamannick's face. Earlier today, Shabbat was asked if there was a, an apology, a gift, something for his teammate <laughs> out of that. I got him a few things. Uh... He can he can uh, he can say what uh, if he he can himself tell it if he wants to. Um, but no, obviously he didn't want me to, to to get him anything. But I mean, it's it's just a, uh, out of principles. I just had to do it. That's it. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that's it. I'm kind sorry. of agree. Yeah, Hockey Canada <laughs> has announced a nine-person list of nominees to make up their new board of directors. They will still need to be officially voted in. That'll happen this Saturday. Nine nominees, which include our friend of the show, Cassie Campbell-Pascal, is made up five women. Four men would serve a special term of one year and, quote, be accountable, transparent, transparent and ensure Hockey Canada is an organization that Canadians can be proud of. I'm proud of our next guest. Time now for 3 of 32 with Elliot Friedman. 3 of 32, as always, brought to you by the GMC and the new Sierra AT4X. Friedge, what's going on? Already dark in Florida. These are, these are tough times right now. No, no, no. It's, it's not that tough. I don't want anyone feeling <laughs> sorry for me. I'm in Florida, and I heard it snowed up there, Tim, so I'm not complaining. I, I shouldn't. I, I understand. Hey, did you know that, and I don't know if you know this, and we, we are not talking, we did not talk before the show. I'm not Amazing Kreskin. I'm not setting up a gag. But did you know that you had a gold check mark on Twitter earlier today? And it is now, I was going to show it off. I was going to tell everyone that you had a gold check mark. It's now back to a blue check mark. Well, I, I personally think that's outrageous that it was taken away from me. <laughs> Actually, yes, I, I, I did hear about it uh, because Pat Steinberg uh, uh, from our great uh, affiliate out there at Calgary yep. Sportsnet Radio 960, he had texted me to tell me I'm an official business. And I was like, Pat, what, what are you talking about? And he explained to me, he took a picture, and someone else sent it to me too. Yeah. I really felt special there for about two hours, like you said. Uh, <laughs> What's you know, that gone. business so selling? Now back to feeling, uh, I, we we can't get into that. That's why I had it taken down, Tim. <laughs> and I understand. That's why he's back to a blue check mark. All right. So That's Gary right. Bettman se uh, celebrates 30 years as the commissioner of yeah. the National Hockey. I know that I think it's tomorrow that he's going to speak a little bit more. But he did speak today. Did you get yeah. anything out of that conversation with the media? No. Okay. No. He he was he was didn't say much today. He. He basically came out and said, I'm going to answer more things tomorrow, and there's going to be more stuff both on and off the agenda that, that we're going to talk about. The salary cap will be tomorrow. Some of the other issues will be tomorrow. 
Um, you know, the, the, the Ottawa Senators are not officially on the agenda, but they reached a settlement today, uh, or at least the Melnick estate and the, uh, reached a, a, a settlement today with a lawsuit against uh, John Ruddy and Ruddy's lawsuits with the Senators that were filed during the previous attempt to mm -hmm. develop LeBreton Flats. Uh, I don't think that that necessarily would have prevented the sale from happening, Tim. But I do like if you've ever been in one of these processes, the last thing you want is any legal activity hanging over it. And I know a few weeks ago there had been some speculation that would it matter if that one was settled or not. I, I think it mattered to prospective purchasers. So that one got uh, done tonight, which you know just clears another thing out of the way. Um, yeah, like I, I like today. Um, like, for example, I know ESPN, uh, TNT, and us, Sportsnet, we all uh, presented to the Board of Governors today. There was an executive meeting this morning, but it, it doesn't sound like there was anything earth-shattering. I think if there's any real news, it'll come tomorrow. Will any of that be about the Senators? Because I know Bill Daly was saying there might be some significant interest in and around the sale. Like, are you feeling like the process may speed up, slow down here? Because it does sound like there's a little chatter around gathering groups well the, the problem with that tim is that there is supposed to be like a data portal that's supposed to open up right and uh where people can you know sign put up a uh sign an nda i think you have to put a deposit down so maybe you and jesse can put something together so maybe. they can go in and look at all the data of the ottawa sanders and as of this morning i don't think it was up yet so that doesn't really put uh, the right. process officially going. There's no question there's a lot of interest. There's no question there's been a lot of buzz. I think what they want to do here is separate the real bidders from the people who were just sort of talking in hot air. Yeah. But I do think, Tim, they want this sorted out by middle of January at the latest so that they can get together and start doing the negotiation about the downtown arena at LeBreton Flats. So I don't expect any major news. You know, Mike Anlauer, who's a minority partner in the in the Montreal Canadiens and is rumored to be one of the top lead, uh, lead bidders for the Senators, he's here. He's at the Board of Governors. But, you know, when we all tried to talk to him, he wasn't saying much. Right. He's moved on past. All right, so speaking of uh, some yeah. chatter, there is some chatter swirling around Bo Horvat. Uh, can you tell yes. us the latest that you're hearing? Sure. Well, Rick Dollawall reported this morning that there was an offer made to Horvat uh, that was turned down. Uh, I believe it's true. I would not uh, argue with, with Rick uh, uh, in any way. There's been just trying to figure out what uh, it kind of was I think that there's some people believe it was eight. Some people believe it was seven years. Um, so it's obviously it's one or the other. Um, and I think the number started with a seven. I don't necessarily think it was a high seven, but it was. I believe it started with a seven. And at this point in time, uh, the uh, the answer was no. Now, I know there's a lot of talk that this is over and he's going to get traded. And I do think it's possible that does happen. However. Tim, I say this. I say this to you all the time. Mm -hmm. I do not like dealing in absolutes. Right. I think that there's always an ebb and flow to these things. And don't forget that last year, uh, last summer, we went from no talk to J.T. Miller to him signing two days after they reopened conversations. So as I wrote last week, I think it's trending towards a deal not getting done, and it's especially after this offer didn't get a deal done. 
I refuse to say it's absolute one way or the other until it's absolutely over. Okay, it feels like a week ago we were talking about Brock Besser. So any update on that front when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks? No, I, I don't believe so. It's it's a complicated deal to make. He's got two years left at six plus, and you know he's got a he's got to go on a bit of a tear. There's no question about that. I don't I don't think that one's on the front burner. I think there's a lot of interest, but I in terms of yeah, we'd love to have Brock Besser. Or we'd be willing to give uh, Brock Besser a fresh start, but you've got to be able to make a deal, and that's not so easy with the cap being the way it is right now. That's why I think you know Tim, like that's why I think tomorrow. With whatever they say cap-wise, and I don't expect their message to be too different. Like, that's the number one conversation. When you're talking to teams or agents right now, that's the number one question is where does the cap go next year because it influences a lot of decisions. Yeah, it feels like that's hanging over the balance. And is, is there any way that the NHL, even if the cap doesn't move up, somehow mitigates it so that they can start making deals? Because it does feel like there's a bit of a log jam here. I, I do think that that's been talked about and it's being discussed right now among the players. Um, you know, for example, what they told the teams last summer to kind of expect was a million this year, then four more, then five more. And then the commissioner surprised us by saying, you know, it could go up faster. But let's just say it's one, four, and five, as it was teams were kind of told to expect. Mm -hmm. I know there's been talk about what if instead of doing one, four, and five, you do three, three, and three. Now, I think on some level those those conversations have happened conceptually, but I don't think there's been serious conversation yet about, you know, what that would mean and how that would look. And also, don't forget the Players Association right now is is going through the search for another executive director. And I think I think they'd want to know exactly how the players felt about this before they presented it while there could be new leadership of the NHLPA. Right. We'll see where this goes. You know, Tim, I think I, this decision doesn't, it doesn't have to be made until the spring. I think people would like it to be made before the spring, but it doesn't have to be made until the spring. Okay, just opinion here, and I know you're there for facts, and a lot of times you, you bring facts to the table, but don't you think it would be good Not for really. hockey? <laughs> don't you think it would be good for hockey if the cap went up enough where some of these deals that have been waiting could be made? For everyone involved. Oh, uh, Tim, you... A hundred percent. Like, like that's one of the things. Like, you know, people talk about. Look at what Aaron Judge signed for last week, or um, you know, the Blue Jays signed. I don't know if he's a two starter or a three starter. He signed for what twelve million a year, and and uh, you know, uh, I think the the yeah the hockey players kind of look at it and say, hey, you know, like we'd like more deals like that. Um, you know, it's it's not always comparing apples to apples, but you know, I, I think it would definitely be good. I mean, the more cap you have the more freedom you have. And I think one of the reasons they're talking about this is that the players, look, like the players who have their deals, they don't have to worry about any of this stuff. But the players who need new deals or the players who want to keep their careers alive, the more of a squeeze there is, the more they sit there and say, hey, like, I, like there's players who always say in the past, I voted to have to bump the cap up because you want to have the most money available in the system. Right. But that hasn't been able to be the case, and I think more would like to have it that way. Well, don't tell any of the players that it was like a 2-3 starter and that he got $21 million a year because that will piss a lot of guys <laughs> off. Uh, before I let you go. Oh, yeah, right. Before I let you yeah. go, I, I, uh, we, we made a family road trip, went to Pittsburgh, and uh, I was shocked nice. to see Chris Letang back in the lineup on the weekend. Uh, two weeks after a stroke. I mean, this. I, my eyes popped out, and I know that you and Jeff – talked about it over the weekend on 32 Thoughts. Mm -hmm. 
Well, look, like I, I think you hear the word stroke and you hear he's playing. Um, you, I mean, the first thing you think of is, you know, good for him. Yeah. The second thing you think of is like, is I hope everybody knows what's going on here. Right. And I just think in, in this day and age, uh, Tim, where everything is so scrutinized, everything is so scrutinized, I don't think there's any way they would let him out there if they really thought that it was dangerous. Like one of the things I talked about and I heard is, so he suffered it on a Monday. They played on the Tuesday at home against Carolina. I heard he wanted to play. Like wow. I heard he said to them, I'm going to play tonight. And they were like, no, you're not. Like, you're not. And, I mean, maybe the fact that this is the second time he's been through this, the first time was two months, at, at least he can say, you know, all right, I kind of know my body, I know what this is like. So, and I also know, like, Tim, the other thing, too, is I always judge others if, as I judge myself. I know if it was me, yeah. I'd be going right back out there, too. So, I, I, I root for him, I, but I'm like everybody else. I think there's a part of me that says, I, I'm... I, you have to trust your doctors. You have to believe in what they're telling you. You're just like, I hope everybody's right here. Right. Uh, well, well, we'll check back with you uh, tomorrow. We'll, we'll check the Twitter account. We'll see if there's a gold check mark with all the tweets that come out from the Board of Governors meetings and what Gary Bettman says and what Bill Daly says. I uh, appreciate you taking the time and doing this. As always, enjoy Florida, even though it's dark out. And you know what? I have to say this, Tim. That's my new nickname. Official business, Elliot Friedman. <laughs> <laughs> there is Elliot Friedman in Florida. Uh, had it on the sheet here. Owner of a gold check mark. I was just... Well, I know. I, don't, I guess. Shocking. So that's, that's what they were... That's what Elon's order of business was today to give official businesses a gold check mark. That's right. And... That's right. So we, we have one. the Tim and Friends yeah, account have, has yeah, yeah. a gold check mark. You can pull it up. I have it right here. Are, so am, am I an official business? I don't believe so. Have you checked? Well, depends, oh, what, because you, Tim, depends uh, what you mean by I checking. You, I got you. Depends what you mean by checking. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. It changes colors on uh, depending on which platform you use it on. Sometimes it's yellow, sometimes it's gold. I wonder what they're going for. Gold, I guess. And seems prestigious. So my personal account has the blue check mark, and the team account has the gold check mark. Mm -hmm. But it does say Tim and friends, so I, credit to you. <laughs> is that what we're doing here? It's yeah, a credit sure, why to not? Me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just wondered if I was an official business. Because yeah. if I am, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> time for one last break. Get to game time. Send it to Rogers. Monday Night Hockey. Next, right here on Friends. <laughs> official business. Our Monday tip of the cap goes to Brianne Jenner, who won the accuracy shooting competition at the PWHPA All-Star Weekend in Ottawa. And she did so with a time, Jesse, of 10.627 seconds, which is significantly better, faster than Sebastian Ajo's winning time of 10.937 seconds at the last NHL All-Star Skills competition. And since the NHL made accuracy shooting a timed event in 2011, Jenner's time ranked fourth fastest all time. Wow. Period. Exclamation point. Let's go. Love that. Unbelievable. Speaking of hockey, Bauer Hockey is back with another holiday surprise for an organization helping to grow the game. Chapter 2 comes to us from Columbus, Ohio, where a group of kids from the Columbus Ice Hockey Club through the Parks and Recreation Department got a private behind-the-curtain experience at the Blue Jackets Nationwide Arena. YouTuber Nasher was joined by Elvis Merzlikens to show off the team's new locker room before the kids got a chance to take the ice in a one-of-a-kind shootout experience using new gear from Bauer Hockey. 
We're here in Columbus, Ohio at Nationwide Arena working with Bauer Hockey for a little Bauer Gives Back. We're bringing out the kids from the Columbus Ice Hockey Club, kids that are passionate about the game of hockey, have worked hard, and we want to reward them for everything that they've done. So they're not supposed to be here yet, but they're here. What's up, guys? How are we doing? We're going to take them behind the scenes to the brand new Blue Jackets locker room. It's state of the art. I haven't even got to see it yet. This is where the magic happens. All right. Where's my best player at? Right there. There you go. Wait, you know Elvis? What if we brought him in? How are you doing, guys? How are you doing? Oh my God. Bauer worked to grow the game of hockey as much as possible, and this is what the Columbus Ice Hockey Club is all about. The kids that come through our program are really excited to try a new sport. New gloves, new sticks. These might be for you. Every kid that came today had probably never had a brand new stick. <laughs> That's a Christmas gift. Everybody bring it in! I'm going to be putting on the pads. They're going to be getting some coaching from Elvis. He's going to give you some tips, try to help you out. And it's all going to go down right here, right now. Yes! Elvis told me to go wide and then cut back in. Trust me, it's going to work. And I did exactly that and I scored. Bardo! Bardo! This is a very talented group of hockey players out here. Being here at Nationwide Arena, this was my childhood and I know it's theirs too. This is more than I could ever ask for. I feel like I'm part of the team. These guys definitely deserve this opportunity. That's what hockey's all about. Always nice to see good things Very happen. Very dope, yeah. Game day starts with Tim and friends, as always. Here's what we got on the network. Hockey Central coming up in minutes, followed by the Flames and Canadians across the country on Sportsnet. That is Rogers Monday Night Hockey on Sportsnet 1, also across the network. Oilers and the Wild. Monday Night Raw is on 360, and the Thunder and the Mavs on Sportsnet now. As for us, we turn the page with game time. It is game time as we focus in on the games you'll be watching tonight. I do want to begin game time with Howard who's paying attention and says Tim's not a businessman. He's a businessman. He's a business boy, Howard. Man. Pay attention, Howard. Love it. All right, let's keep the good you times. You know who he's quoting? Jay Z. There was like a you pause tried to get there. Me. No, I was no, not no, no. trying to get you there, but I was afraid that you didn't get you the reference. You tried to get and, me there. And it would, and it would have hurt me immensely. Sometimes it takes a second for my, I don't know, synapses to fire, fire, yeah. connect. Mm -hmm. But I got that one. Yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty easy. Don't try and stump me though, because you will stump me if you. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> trying take, to stump take, you. Game time is kicking down. We got four and a half minutes left, but okay, I was okay, not okay. trying to stump okay. you. Here we go. Uh, asking <laughs> you if you've got the reference. Jay the Oilers in Minnesota tonight to take it's on the Wild. Jay in Canada. That's right. Evander Kane remains out with a wrist injury, but he's staying involved in the community. Last week, Kane hosted a holiday shopping spree for a hundred students from a Cree High School in Edmonton. Each student was given $250 to shop with, but when Kane discovered some students used the money to buy groceries for their families, he gave them another $250 to buy gifts for themselves. That's awesome, it's great to see, and it's not just Evander Kane, eh? It looks like uh, Connor McDavid also getting in on the action. I have that as well. He's teaming up and pledging $100,000 towards the newly launched Ben Stelter Fund to get better outcomes for youth that are battling cancer. So uh, kudos and shout outs to the Oilers for yeah, doing, doing work in the community. Some fantastic community. A lot of teams say they do it, but to actually go out and do it, that's another thing. So good on the Oilers. So I know you were uh, across the border mm -hmm. over the weekend. Did you do any holiday shopping there? You know what's funny is uh, with 
Cyber Monday and Black Friday, I do a lot of my holiday shopping in advance. The only problem is I haven't got my wife yet. I'm still <laughs> working on that one. But the rest is done. That's the difficult one. The rest one. is done. <laughs> yeah, that's the difficult one. Don't worry, she's not watching. Uh, the Flames <laughs> visit the Habs on Rogers Monday Night Hockey for the second straight game. Matthew Phillips will replace Milan Lucic in the Flames lineup. Calgary native made his season debut Saturday against the Leafs after scoring an, NH an AHL leading, excuse me, 30 points in 20 games. The Calgary Wranglers, 5-7-140. 5 He's the shortest and lightest player in the NHL. Do you think he can stick with the big club, Jesse? Uh, yes, because there are small players in the league that are successful. Cole Caulfield's pretty small. Brendan Gallagher's pretty small. Yeah, Goudreau did well in that city, too. Goudreau as well. Head coach of the Montreal Canadiens was pretty small when he played. But I do wonder if we're going towards a world where this is going to become sort of acceptable again because there's been a premium on size for the longest time in hockey. And I'm speaking from experience because I know I was pretty athletic goaltender, I must say, but I was ruled out immediately for my size. I'm a short guy. Right. So I would like to see it flipped a little bit. Show some love to the shorter athletes. Understood. That do wasn't you know, good enough. I'm kidding. Do you, you know, do you know how good you'd have to be at five foot seven, 140 pounds to make the NHL? 140 is un unbelievable. There were rumors that when Nikolai Boroshevsky played for the Leafs, he was listed, I think, at 165, and that he was really 145. But this is listed 5'7", 140. Yeah. Well, the difference it's is... amazing. Like, we've, we've talked about it. There's not as much physicality in the game anymore. They don't hit as much. So, it doesn't... If you're small, you can get away with it now. Yeah, but more. even getting pushed off the puck, muscled along the yeah. boards, like, you would have to be really I'm good. I'm pumped to see a 5'7", 140-pound yeah. player go at it tonight. Uh, two of the NBA's top scorers go head-to-head -to -head tonight as Shea Gilgis-Alexander and the Thunder visit Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Luka leads the league in scoring with 32.9 points per game while SGA ranks third with 30.8 but while Luca is one of the betting favorites to win the MVP Shea isn't even in the top 10 should he be this game on Sportsnet now tonight could go a long way to putting Shea in that conversation because all it's going to take is wins on that bad team and I think that there's a lot of people that have put up a lot of points on bad teams in the past but they've already won more games than we expected them yeah. to. And if they win more games against good teams, I guarantee you Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to pop up that MVP odds. I'm not saying he's going to win it. I'm just saying he's going to pop up it because those numbers are legit. Over 30 points per game on 50% shooting from a point guard slash two guard, mm -hmm. he's going to jump up. He's 13th on the board as they have it right now. But... We'll check again tomorrow. Maybe some value. Jesse. Yeah, a little Maybe sprinkle some value. Perhaps. If he gets away tonight this a against Luca, you could have got out a much bigger number. No, I did already. No, that does it for us. Rogers Monday Night Hockey with David Amber and the panel coming up next. Flames and Canadians. Thanks for watching, everyone.